Today, we're going to be talking about God's mercy in spite of our failures. And we're going to be looking at some of the life lessons in the life of Peter, because failures is one of those things that I think you guys would agree that we can all relate to. And that is because we live in an imperfect world, which means that we're imperfect people. Interestingly enough, the night that Jesus was arrested, two of his friends had massive failures. We read and we learn that, that Judas betrayed him uh, having the ultimate fail, right? But also we learn that, that Peter had the failure of self-denial. Yet they both betrayed Christ, as we read. And lucky for me, as I was, as I was studying for this message, I've had plenty of failures in my life. So at a minimum, I should be able to tell you what not to do this morning. And, and as I started to wonder more and more as to why we tend to fail sometimes, and for me, and this is just me speaking at this point, is it would even seem like we're predisposed, and sometimes it's, you can't help but fall into failure sometimes. And as I kept thinking and reading the life of Peter, I started to see some common threads that Peter had in his life that I think you and I would be able to relate to. And like Peter, some of these things that he did, some of these mistakes that he made, are common to all of us, and I think that we can learn from. And I'm talking about failures in life, like financial failures and business failures, marriage failures, relational failures. They're all caused by primarily the same things. It is the same things that Peter did. And I'm talking about, you guys remember Peter, right? Peter, good old Peter, really bold Peter, walked on water, Peter, denied Jesus three times, Peter, yet God used them in amazing ways, Peter. I'm talking about that, Peter. And the first thing that we see in his life that we, like Peter, we often tend to overestimate our strengths. And this is a big cause of failure in our life. When you think that you're stronger than you really are, you think that you can handle more and you think that you can handle temptation. For us, the story begins this morning, again, in Matthew chapter 26. And now, this is what's happening. They just had the Last Supper where Jesus said, you know, I'm going to be arrested. Then I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. And then I'm going to come back to life three days later. And then he says, and then I'll meet you back in, in Galilee. And starting in verse 31, Jesus said, tonight, every one of you will desert me. For the scripture says that when the shepherd is killed, the sheep will be scattered. But after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Then Peter boasted, but Lord, even if everyone else fails you, there's that word failure. Even if everyone else fails you, I will never deny you. Jesus replied, Peter, the truth is that before this night is over and before the rooster crows at dawn, you will deny knowing me three times. Peter insisted, but Lord, I would never, you guys ever said that, I would never do that. Even if I have to die with you, I'll never deny knowing you. And all the other disciples vowed the same things. And maybe you guys never noticed that before in this scripture, but all the other disciples said the same things. They all agreed, we would never do this, Lord. And Jesus says, actually, you're about to do it. All of you will desert me. And you can count on it. And also notice that Peter says, I'll never deny you. He says that three times. He says, I would never do that. I would never deny knowing you ever. Folks, don't you guys, doesn't that sound a little bit like overestimating our strengths? Like Peter here is overestimating his strengths? Because you see, a lot of businesses fail from overestimating their strengths. A lot of battles are lost because armies 
overestimate their strengths. A lot of students flunk out of school because they overestimate their strengths. A lot of spouses fall into affairs because they overestimate their strengths. And they say things like, I would never do that. It's just a little innocent office flirt. That would never happen to me. I can handle this. Peter here is overestimating his strength. I would never do that. It would never happen to me. I can handle this temptation. I can watch these kinds of things and it wouldn't affect me. I can go to these types of places and it doesn't bother me. I can listen to this kind of stuff. It's not going to do anything to me. But the reality this morning is, is who are we kidding? We have to beware of thinking this whole mentality of like, it would never happen to me. Because look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. If you think I am strong, I can handle this, I'd never fall for that temptation, then be careful, for you could easily fall too. And folks, there's nothing wrong with confidence. I mean, we teach our kids to have as much confidence as they can, right? Whatever is possible, just go out there with confidence. But what we're talking about here is overconfidence. Being overconfident in your abilities and being so self-confident that we all know that it leads to pride. None of us are exempt from that. Given the right situation, I am capable of, listen to this, I am capable of any sin. You may or may not agree with that, but guess what? So are you. So never presume that you know where temptation is going to come from lest you, let your, lest you overestimate your strengths. What I also noticed as I read Peter's life is that we, like Peter, we, we tend to fail because we fear the disapproval of others. And I know we've talked about this here before in this series because it, it's a big one. Because you may not realize it, but this causes more problems in your life than almost anything else. When you fear the disapproval of others, you know, because every time you make a decision based on what other people are going to think, you're really just sowing the seeds of failure in your life. Because when you worry about what other people think and you fear their disapproval, you're going to tend to go with the flow even when you know it's wrong. You become a people pleaser. You make commitments that you can't possibly keep because you're trying to make everybody happy or you're trying to impress them. And we see this as the second reason why Peter stumbled. In Matthew 26, again, in the same chapter, as we read on, starting in verse 58, the Bible says that the Last Supper happened and they were in the upper room. And it says, Peter followed Jesus at a distance to the courtyard of the high priest's palace. He went in and sat down with the guards to see what was going to happen to, the, to Jesus. As he was sitting in the courtyard, a servant girl came up to him and said, You were with Jesus of Galilee, weren't you? But standing there in front of everyone, and, and that's the operational phrase this morning. Peter is standing there in front of everyone. Everyone's watching him. He's feeling the peer pressure. Peter denied it. And he says, I don't even know what you're talking about, he said. Now think about this for a second, okay? Peter has just spent three and a half years at the feet of what we just sang about, at the feet of Jesus, the Son of God. And the first time that the rubber hits the road, and the first time that a major crisis hits his life, he denies him. You guys think he's a little bit more worried about what other people think than what 
identifying with Christ at this point? I mean, how many times have you had the opportunity to admit that you were a Christian at work or at school or somewhere else and you're standing there and you say nothing because you're worried about what other people think? And the reality is, if we're honest, is that that happens to all of us. And not just in witnessing about our faith, but in in so many areas. You stumble and you fail because you're thinking more about what somebody else is going to think than what God is going to think. And folks, we read in Peter's life that this was a struggle for Peter. As you read through, through the scriptures, you see that he struggled with this all the time. In fact, one time Paul had to come to Peter and rebuke him and say, hey, Listen, Peter, you are acting one way with this group, but when you go to this group, you're acting a total different way. And guess what, Peter? That is wrong. That's being hypocritical, and you can't do that. So Peter struggled with that his entire life. The other thing that I picked up in this story is you guys notice in the scripture that it says how Peter is following Jesus at a distance. You talk about setting yourself up for failure. Because trying to have one foot in both worlds is always a setup for failure. So the question that we have to ask ourselves this morning is, are we following Jesus at a distance? You know, like Peter was worried about what other people thought. And and when we allow that to happen in our lives, we allow people to be more important than God. You guys want to know what that's called when we allow other people to be more important than God? That's called having an idol. And again, that's a setup for failure. So we should ask ourselves again this morning is, whose opinion matters more than God's? Because look what the Bible says in Proverbs. It is a dangerous trap to be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust in the Lord, you'll be safe. And then I also picked up on another thing about Peter's life that really resonated with me more than all the other ones. And you might be able to relate to them or not. Like Peter... We often tend to fail because we speak without thinking. And this may be the most common cause of failure in our lives. When we put our mouth in motion before we can put our our mind in gear. When we speak impulsively and we speak rationally and we speak in haste and we speak thoughtlessly. You know, we don't stop and we don't pause to consider the consequences about what we're about to say or what it's going to do in the lives of others and even our own life. And I think the reason we do this is because we, most of the time we're not thinking as we speak rationally. You see, we all think emotionally. And most of the time when we talk, you're not thinking about what you're about to say. You're not thinking rationally. You never stop to say, hey, Lord, do you want me to say this? God, is this the right thing to say at the right time in the right way? No, we just say it like it is, right? And, and sometimes that say it like it is is what gets us in trouble. And sometimes we even admire that in people, the people that are bold and say it like it is, as if it's this mark of courage. But the reality is that instead of thinking that we are saying it like it is, we are really showing our insecurity and our immaturity. Because people will be able to pick up. They're going to be able to listen when things that come out of your mouth that are, that are out of jealousy or insecurity or frustration, anger, fear. They're going to be able to listen when we speak out of those emotions. And the reason we have so many failures in our life is because we speak without thinking. 
And that's exactly what happened to Peter here. Peter is clearly nervous, and rightfully so, right? He's uptight. He's in fear. And just think of the crisis. You know, Jesus has just been arrested, and all of a sudden, a stranger comes up to him and says, hey, hey, you're that guy, and you were with that guy. And he says, no, no, I'm not. He's worried about what other people think. But then his anger comes out. Verse 71 says, Then Peter went out to the entrance of the courtyard, and there another woman saw him and said to those standing there, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it. And this time he swore an oath and said, I don't even know the man. But after a while, the men who had been standing there came over to Peter and said, We know that you are one of them. Don't you guys ever hate being, I mean, hate being called one of those? Hey, you're one of those. You're one of them. He says, because your Galilean accent gives you away. He says, Peter lost his temper and started cursing and swearing. He shouted, I don't know the man. Immediately, he heard the rooster crow. Folks, swearing is always a sign of frustration, and it is a sign of fear. When you get afraid, when I get afraid, we go to the emotional, and we're not thinking rational. And when people swear, it's because they've given up their logic, and now they have to resort to the emotion. So Peter here is already speaking without thinking. But listen to what James says about speaking like that. He says, the tongue is a small thing, but what an enormous damage it can do. Just as a tiny spark can burn up a great forest, the tongue is a flame of fire. The part of your body is full of wickedness and can poison everything else in your life. It is set on fire by hell itself and can turn our whole lives into a blazing flame of destruction and disaster. I mean, those are, those are strong words, but we all know that's true. Because we've all seen, maybe in our own lives, we've all seen relationships poison. We've seen deals poison. We've seen dreams just poison or future dreams poison. All because of a misplaced word. And, And the good news this morning is what God does with all of our failures. I think it's important to recognize what causes them so that we can all try to do something about it. But yeah, we can see what Peter did wrong. And yeah, we can relate, but... You can also see throughout all of these stories, God's mercy interwoven through all of it. And the good news this morning for all of us, because I think we've all failed at some time in our life, is that if we care all our cares upon Jesus, just like we sang about this morning, if we lay down our burdens and we bring him to his feet, the the good news this morning is what Jesus does with all of those failures. The moment that you say, God, you know, I am throwing myself on your mercy, There are some things that Jesus does with our failures. And the first one is that he prays for us. And I bet you guys never thought that Jesus would pray for you. But in Luke, this is what it says. Simon, Simon. We're still reading the same story, by the way. It's just a different different book of the Bible. And Simon, Simon, he says this, by the way, because Simon's name was, I mean, Peter's name was actually Simon Peter. So Jesus here is calling him Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to have you to sift you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you that your faith should not completely fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen and build up the faith of your brothers. Folks, this this scripture here is so awesome. It tells us that, that Jesus prays for us. 
And Jesus told Peter this before he even failed. Peter said, this is going to happen, and I've already prayed for you that, that your faith won't fail. Then Jesus tells Peter, then I want you to use your failure so that you can help other people, that you can encourage other people, so that you can help them. And I think an important key phrase in the scripture, if you guys caught it, is back when Jesus said here that, so when you have repented and turned back to me again. And this is so important for us because our first response to our failures should be to repent from our failure. In other words, to grieve them. The Bible tells us as we keep reading that when Peter heard the rooster crow, he remembered what Jesus had said, that he would deny him three times. Then the Bible says that Peter went outside and then he wept bitterly. Now, that's important to us because it tells us that he repented right there and then. Because Peter, if you think about it, like, like most of us, we, he could have easily minimized or justified his failure and thought, hey, listen, they would have killed me if I wouldn't have denied him. Instead, Peter cries, he repents, and he doesn't make excuses. In other words, to get past it, he had to get through it. And it is the same with our failures. If we want to get past our failures, we need to repent, accept them, and then we need to face them so that we can go through them. Peter owned up to his failure and you see, a lot of people want to take shortcuts and bypass the failure. And as a result, we, we never learn our lesson. Folks, it's okay to feel bad. Grief is a way to get through transitions, through, through losses, and through failures. And when we do that, the Bible says that God will pray for us. And another thing that Jesus does with our failures is that he believes in us. He believes in us. He, in fact, he expects us to recover. Again, that, that operational phrase that it says, when you have repented and turned back to me again. Notice that it says when, not if. Not it might happen. He, he, said, he said, I know you're going to come back to me. Peter, I know you're going to sin. You're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. But when you come back to me, Lord, folks, that is the mark of a true believer. When we fail and fail, and yet we come back to Jesus, when we recognize that we need him. Because look what Proverbs says, For even though a righteous man falls seven times, he will rise again. And what I love about the scripture is that it says that even the good guys screw up sometimes, right? Even righteous people fall. Even good people make dumb mistakes sometimes. And I don't know if you've noticed, but our biggest weaknesses, our biggest failures are habitual. We don't just do them one time and that's it. No, it's, he, Jesus says that my mercy isn't just for that one big one-time mess-up. My mercy is for those mess-ups that you do 20 times a day. And listen to this. God here is telling us that he is more willing to show us mercy than you are willing to ask for it. So God believes in us. That is called love. Which leads to the next thing that Jesus does when we fail, and that is that he shows us mercy when we're down. He shows us mercy when we are down. He doesn't beat us up. He doesn't pile it on. He doesn't add to our guilt. He's not like the dad that takes his son from the soccer field after they lost and just lets him have it for all the things they did wrong. I used to be that dad. That's why I can say that. <laughs> when you fail, he doesn't come in and say, hey, let me tell you how bad things have been. No, 
His word says that he shows us mercy when we're down. And there's this beautiful example and, and, and this, this tender moment, this exchange between Jesus and Peter, because, you know, Peter is broken after all of this. And uh, now we're moving to the book of John. And this is what happens a couple of weeks after the resurrection. It says, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. Seven of his disciples were there, and Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Folks, that's, that statement alone has a lot of meaning. Because remember, Peter here is on the brink. He's vulnerable. And you guys remember what Peter did before he actually was called to follow Jesus? He was a fisherman himself. So now it's almost like he's saying, I might just go back to that life where I just get to fish all day. He was so vulnerable that he could have easily, just like maybe Judas, Judas decided that he would take a different step of betrayal and become a traitor. And, and Peter decided something else. But this is such a vulnerable moment that we have to be careful with because we have these moments too. And then the scripture goes on to say, you know, that I can hear, by the way, I can hear in his voice here that he's discouraged and that he's depressed. And he said, we'll, we'll come too, they all said. So they went out into the boat, but even though they fished all night, they caught nothing. You guys ever feel like that? Like you've been doing something all night or for a long time with no results. You're looking for a spouse. You're looking for a job and nothing happens. You've been praying and no results. You guys ever feel like you fished all night and caught nothing? At dawn, the disciples saw a man standing on the shore, but they couldn't see that it was Jesus. He called out, friends, have you caught any fish? Not a thing, they replied. Then Jesus says, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get plenty of fish. So they did what Jesus said to do, and they instantly caught so many fish, they couldn't even draw in the net because it was so full of fish. Then John said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Peter realized that he put on his tunic where he had stripped off of work, which by the way, when you study that, it, it kind of tells us that Peter was fishing naked, which is kind of weird, but that's a different message. <laughs> so and he says that, that, that he, he jumped into the water and swam ashore and leaving the others on the boat to pull the, the the loaded nets to, to the shore, for they were only about 300 feet away. When they got to the shore, it says, they saw that Jesus was cooking fish and bread over a charcoal fire. Now, I just want to pause that for a second, because I think that's pretty cool. I mean, here Jesus is throwing a barbecue now, which is awesome. And I can only imagine, I mean, I know he can multiply fish and bread and all that stuff, but now, I bet this guy can cook, right? And I imagine that if he were to come out in this show, you guys seen Chopped? And Jesus was in Chopped? Can you imagine? It's like, Jesus wins again, you know? That, that kind of, I think that's so cool. But anyway, let's keep reading. Jesus said, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Peter went back aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was filled with 153 large fish, and yet the net had not torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. Now they were sure it really was Lord. I mean, they, were, they, they knew that it was him. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. And this was the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples since he had been raised from the dead. And I, and I ask you this question, if you feel like you've been fishing all night long, because, folks, you may have been fishing all night long and caught nothing, but God can do more in five minutes than you can do with an entire life of planning. When Jesus asks you to do something and you obey, you're going to catch fish. Sometimes you're going to catch so much fish, so much blessing in your life that it's going to be overwhelming. Now think about this for a second, a different side of it. 
you're Jesus, and you had all of these guys just deny you. All of your best buds just betrayed you, just denied you, just deserted you. Remember, even though, you know, I sometimes I, get, I think Peter gets a bum rap, honestly, because he's the one that was, you know, say like it is Peter, and he said the thing that everybody was thinking, but the Bible tells him that they all agreed that I would never deny you. So they all said that, they all denied him. Now, if that was you, if you're Jesus and all your best buds just denied you, would you throw him a barbecue two weeks later? I wouldn't. And if I did, I'd probably spit in their food. But what Jesus did, forget that part. <laughs> but what Jesus did here, after two weeks of going through that, and he still does that for him, folks, that right there, that is called mercy. That is an amazing example of God's mercy. It's amazing to me. But aren't you glad that God's mercy doesn't depend on our performance? Lamentation says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. We sang about it this morning. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God is faithful to you in his mercy no matter what you do. In fact, Paul writes about that as well. In 2 Timothy, he says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. It says that even when we mess up, even when we are unfaithful, he will remain faithful. And even if you give up on God, God never gives up on you. Folks, again, that is called mercy. And the last point that I want to make this morning is probably the greatest miracle of all of them is that he uses our failures to build his church. God actually uses our failures to build his church. And Jesus told Peter this in, in, in Luke. He says, Peter, when you have turned back to me, strengthen and build up your brothers. Now, he's talking about brothers and sisters like you and I, the church, the family of God. The, you know, use your failures to strengthen and build up others. Here's the rest of the story. So they're back in the beach at the Sea of Galilee. And in John 21, this is what it says, that after breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Judah, do you love me more than these? Now, this is echoing back what Peter had said, remember? Lord, I would never deny you. I love you more than these guys. So he's echoing that back, and he said to Simon, Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you, Peter replied. Then feed my lambs. Jesus said, and then Jesus repeated the question, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus said then, um, then Jesus asked the same question one more time. Peter, do you love me? Now, Peter was grieved that Jesus asked the question a third time, and he said, and I, you can almost hear the exasperation in his voice, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus replied, then feed my sheep. Folks, because this is so important, because sometimes we say, God, we love you. And you know how we can show that we love God? By helping God's people. By helping the family of God. I mean, why did Jesus ask Peter the same question three times? It wasn't for Jesus' sake. We, we know that Peter denied him three times. It was just for Peter's sake. 
to give him an opportunity to make up for denying him three times, he asked him the question three times. Now let's go back to the beginning. Remember, both Judas and Peter, they're both friends of Jesus. Both of them committed the same sin. They both denied Christ. The exact same sin. The difference was in their response. They both turned their back on him. Judas became a traitor, we found. And Peter becomes a teacher. Again, the difference is in their response. One of them responded by caring and feeding the sheep, the family of God. And so it is with us. We have a choice in our response to our failures in life. The question this morning is, what are you going to become from your failure? What are you going to allow the failures of life to make you? Because ultimately, and it is, it's a choice. The fact is that God is building his church on people who have failed God. If you read the entire Bible, he built his church upon people who had failure after failure. And in Matthew, this is, this is amazing to me because after all this happened and they have this tender moment between Peter and Jesus, and this is what Jesus tells Peter after that. He says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. So Jesus is saying to, pre, to, to Peter, who just had this, this massive failure in his life just a few days earlier, he says, yeah, Peter, yeah, you're a little unstable. You've, you've had your foot in your mouth more than once. You've been impulsive. You've denied me. But Peter, you are going to be the rock on which I build my church. Why does he do that? Folks, again, that is because of his mercy. God wants to build his church on your failures. He wants to use you the same way that he used Peter. So as I close this morning, I have some questions for you. Some questions for you to wrestle with. Some questions for you to respond to. And as I do that, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And the first question that I have for you this morning is, what failures do you need to let go of today? And I mean, once and for all, just lay them down like we sang about and let go of. To be, a, as we always pray, to be a different person as you walk out of these doors, to not allow those failures to no longer hide in the souls of the deepest souls of your being, to just discard them, to, to have some breakthrough, to let them go. Because I know a lot of people, when they have massive failures, they walk around and they carry them, and it affects them in everything they do, or almost everything they do, and it affects them in everything that they are. Folks, this scripture that we just read through, this story that we just read through, Jesus wants to take that from you this morning. The question is, will you let him? Because of God's mercy, you can have relief. You can have complete restoration. Remember, God is praying for you. He believes in you. He's, he's showing you mercy, and he wants, he wants to use those failures for, for good. The second question I have for you this morning is, what failures have you had that you can use to build this church? Because all of us have them. Is it that you need to start helping to save marriages? 
Maybe you need to help people with their addictions. Maybe you need to just help people wherever, men and women in their struggles, whatever they may be. Don't waste your failures. If we learn anything from the stories that God can use us. The last question, I think it's going to be an evident question, is how will you respond to your failures? Are you going to respond like Judas? Or are you going to respond like Peter? Because again, that's a choice. Judas had a breakdown, and Peter had a breakthrough. Judas gave up, but Peter looked up. Judas rejected the mercy of God, and Peter accepted the mercy of God. Judas lived in condemnation. Peter lived in celebration of God's mercy. Judas, as we know, ended up taking his life in despair. And Peter ended up leaving his life with purpose. So as the worship team plays this next song, I'm going to pray three times. I'm going to come back and forth and pray. And I just want you to let this song minister to you. And I want you to allow just the Holy Spirit to work on whatever it is he he may be revealing in your hearts right now. Because when we read scripture like this, we can't help it. The Holy Spirit is going to come and comfort us, convict us, whatever it is the Holy Spirit is going to do. So just uh, this is your time to respond. Use this song to do that. And as I do that, I'm going to pray for us. And if that's you, I want you to follow along in your heart while you bow in prayer with me. And would you pray this prayer? Father, I just, I've had a lot of failures in life. And like Peter, I've overestimated my strengths. Father, I said I would never do that, and, and I did. Lord, and I fear the disapproval of other people. Father, maybe I even denied you at times. Pray this in your heart. And Lord, Father, you know that I've spoken so many times without thinking. And my tongue has gotten me in a lot of trouble. Father, I want to do the the right things. I want to do the same things that Peter did. I don't want to brush it aside. I don't want to rationalize my failures. Father, I want to accept them, confront them, go through them. Lord, I need you. 
with me. Father, I'm coming to you with a repentant heart saying, I'm so sorry, Father. Forgive me for the times I've isolated myself and tried to handle everything on my own and not letting people help me with my pain. But Father, most of all, I cast myself upon your mercy today. Father, today I, I choose to drop my anxiety. I am dropping my insecurity. I am dropping my fears. I am laying them at your feet, Father. The regrets, the shame, all the things that Satan uses to, to attack me. And Lord, and I'm here this morning just to thank you for your mercies. Thank you that they never come to an end. That they are new every single morning. And even tomorrow, Father, I know that you'll have new mercies for me. But Lord, I still need you. In Jesus' name, amen.